You're listening to the Gesher Podcast, the place where the Jewish and evangelical Christian communities come together to talk about the things that matter. I'm your host, Ty Perry, ministry representative for the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry here in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. Thanks for joining me. There was a time when the university campus was a place for the free exchange of ideas, a place where liberalism in the true sense of the word reigned supreme. Those days are no more. Today, the college campus is a battlefield, a war zone, where ideas, particularly those sacred to the Western Judeo-Christian tradition, are under constant assault. Bigotry, not broad-mindedness, is the watchword of the day. And in the crosshairs of campus social justice warriors is Zionism. Zionism is the belief that the Jewish people have the right to live securely and sovereignly in the historic Jewish homeland. It regularly comes into conflict with the mores of leftist university culture. And those students who support Israel are frequently met not with reasoned arguments about specific Israeli policies, but by age-old anti-Semitism, dressed up as social justice. Thankfully, one organization is fighting back in this war of ideas. The Maccabee Task Force works to combat the disturbing spread of anti-Semitism on America's college campuses. Their mission is to help students combat this hate by bringing them the strategies and resources they need to tell the truth about Israel. At the helm of this organization is David Brog. Brog is a graduate of both Princeton University and Harvard Law School and served as chief of staff to the late Senator Arlen Specter and as staff director of the Senate Judiciary Committee. For 10 years, Brog served as executive director of Christians United for Israel. He is the president of the Edmund Burke Foundation and the author of several books, including Standing with Israel, Why Christians Support the Jewish State. David, thanks for joining me today. Hi, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks. David, you have had quite a career in the pro-Israel movement and in the political world. Um, Tell me a little bit about your background and how that led you to a career in Israel advocacy. Well, um, you know, I, uh, unlike a lot of my classmates in law school, I, I, uh, I didn't want to go to Wall Street. Um, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't excited by law firm work. I, I went to a large law firm when I graduated and um, I wasn't very, uh, I represented banks and lo- big loans and I wasn't very interested in what I did. And because of that, I don't think I was very good at what I did. And, and I was just always drawn to these bigger issues of our government, what kind of society we would live in, what kind of society we would build. Um, I became a conservative at law school, um, which I, I, I don't know if that happens often at Harvard <laughs> Law, but it happened in my case. I had a classmate at Harvard Law that everyone said, look out for him. Uh, he's going to be a senator one of these days. He's a very impressive guy. Of course, they underestimated him. Uh, his name was Barack Obama. Mm. Uh, and he was a senator, but also more. But it was actually seeing Barack Obama uh, at a demonstration that was demanding diversity at, at, at the Harvard Law School, diversity among the faculty, that made me a conservative. Uh, because, of course, what they were interested in was not diversity of ideas, uh, but diversity of race. Only if you embrace progressive ideas. Mm-hmm. It was, a, I mean, it was very disturbing to me. I had an African-American professor named Randall Kennedy who dared to think, and he was, a, he was progressive, he was a liberal, but he dared to ask the question like, has affirmative action helped African-Americans? Which is quite a legitimate question. 
for this, he was excoriated uh, and for this, he was shunned. And so I remember Derek Bell, another African-American professor being very explicit saying we want diversity, but we don't want blacks who think white. We want blacks who think black. Mm -hmm. In other words, if you are a conservative or, or a centrist, you need not apply. We only want diversity, uh, racial diversity to the extent it conforms to our ideological uh, uh, unanimity uh, uh, in a progressive direction. This was disturbing to me and, and I became a, a conservative and ended up wanting to be active on that conservative. So I got into public policy. I worked for Senator Specter. I learned a lot. Um, but in the process of working for Senator Specter, I uh, came up with two things. One, I, I got connected with evangelicals in central Pennsylvania. I became aware of their heart for Israel, their devotion to the state of Israel. Um, I, as I mentioned to you earlier, I met a gentleman named Bill Sutter from yes. the Friends of Israel Initiative. I became friends with Bill. Um, I actually spoke at one of your conferences somewhere up in, in the Midwest, uh, beautiful, Indiana, I think. Okay, beautiful yes. Area. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, it was a very nice outing, but I, I, I began to realize that we in the pro-Israel community had this great body of allies in the evangelical community, and, and that became a focus of my life for many years. But I also realized something else, which is that as, as Jews and as, as evangelicals, as, as believing Christians and Jews, we were increasingly being marginalized by what, what we saw back, what I saw back then in Harvard Law School, what we saw back then on the campuses um, was a movement to really marginalize people of faith and people who took their faith seriously. And that be great, became a growing concern to me. Um, but I'll just close with, with this tie. I was wrong. Um, I was warning people that this extremism, this, this far left extremism we saw on the campuses would spill over beyond the campus into the mainstream of American society in a generation or two. Um, I was wrong. It wasn't a generation or two. It's happened. It's happening. It's here now, much quicker than any of us would have predicted or expected. Um, and so the battle's on. The fight's on. Uh, those of us who take our faith seriously, uh, those of us who take Israel seriously, are now confronting the very real prospect of our delegitimization, not only on campus, but in society as a whole. What's going on on college campuses in regards to specifically anti-Israel, anti-Semitic sentiment? Um, what's happening so what's, what's been happening is that an effort's been underway to demonize and delegitimize Israel. Um, and those who are promoting this view have been very intelligent about it. Um, and what they basically decided is they've seen where the political energy is on campus. And the political energy in recent years has been uh, among this movement to uh, focus on identity politics, uh, people with complaints about, uh, about identity politics, the, the black community on campus uh, a certain to a certain extent, the Hispanic community on campus to a certain extent, even the Asian American community on campus to a certain extent, those who, who seek really, I would argue, to divide us uh, by race, to judge people by racial, immutable racial qualities rather than ideas, rather than character. Um, had a lot of energy uh, and a lot of credibility on campus. Um, the anti-Israel activists have gotten very uh, involved in these efforts, uh, enmeshed themselves in these efforts, but then have tried to hijack these efforts. So 
they've said to people of color, hey, if you have a complaint, uh, sometimes even a legitimate complaint about the way you're treated in America, uh, that's fine and good, but you need to add our hatred of Israel to your agenda. Mm -hmm. you, you need to add the plight of the Palestinians um, to your agenda. And so in many cases, you have them taking leadership positions, taking this political energy, and then diverting it in this, in this anti-Israel direction to the point where I would argue a hatred of Israel, an effort to demonize and delegitimize Israel, has taken on a leadership role on campus, has become a primary focus of the left on campus, when in many ways it's, it's an unusual and peculiar foreign graft onto what's more of a domestic issue. Uh, and even that domestic issue is often they're typically exaggerated and sure. taken out of context. I know that one of the, the uh, movements, if you can call it that, that many on campus uh, and in the mainstream now are grasping onto is the BDS movement. Uh, could you tell my listeners, what is the BDS movement and how does that manifest itself? So BDS uh, is, is the effort to, to boycott, divest from, and sanction Israel. It's really modeled in what was a successful effort back when I was on college campus uh, to, to boycott and divest from apartheid South Africa. Um, in those days, uh, a great evil of our time was, was this apartheid racist government in South Africa. And this, this BDS movement, the effort to boycott uh, the apartheid government and, and marginalize them economically actually worked. Due to economic pressure on this apartheid regime, the leaders of the apartheid regime actually ended it and brought the, the vast African majority uh, in South Africa into government and, and into full civil rights. And it was a wonderful success. Uh, but again, on this model of hijacking other people's causes and other people's uh, uh, themes, anti-Israel people looked and saw the success and said, let's do the same. Let's say that Israel is an apartheid regime, and let's say that we need to use similar tactics against Israel. Of course, as we know, in the case of Israel, this is a terrible, ugly lie. Right. Um, but for those who don't know better, for those who don't know the facts, one, one makes this argument, and too many people, and I would have too many people of goodwill, too many well-meaning people are willing to buy the lie. And because they buy the lie, they're willing to engage in what it's an anti-Semitic movement. BDS is anti-Semitic, even, even if not everyone who supports it is anti-Semitic. Many of them simply are, I don't, I don't mean this to be harsh, but many of them are simply ignorant, yes. ignorant of the facts, ignorant of the reality. I know in 2017, you testified uh, in favor of the Nevada anti-BDS bill, uh, which thankfully it passed. And I watched your testimony and in it, you, you did make a distinction between anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism or anti-Israel. But you made the point that there comes a point when that line is crossed. So where is that distinction between anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism and when is it crossed, especially in the BDS movement? Yeah. So uh, it's, it's very important we state this because uh, our opponents will use this against us. They, they build the straw man of, of, oh, you're saying it's anti-Semitic to criticize Israel. Um, no, no, no one's saying it's anti-Semitic to criticize Israel. It, it, it's, it's well and proper to criticize Israel. Israel is a government run by fallen human beings. They make mistakes. Uh, and in fact, the greatest critics of Israel I know uh, happen to be Israelis. Uh, <laughs> it is a robust democracy filled with the, the free rough, rough and tumble of democracy and constant criticism. 
But I, 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 where I draw the line, and I mentioned this in my testimony, and this, this is attributed to many people, but I think Alan Dershowitz is, uh, gets the greatest number of attributions, um, where it's legitimate to criticize Israel, I think it is illegitimate to criticize only Israel. And so you have to be on the lookout for people who only seem to care about human rights when they can somehow blame Israel for violating human rights. You have to be on the lookout for people who care about Arab rights only if they can somehow blame Israel for violating Arab rights. You have to be on the lookout for people who seem to care about Muslim rights only to the extent they can blame Israel for violating them. Perfect, perfect example. We are living through a terrible period. Where, where, where in fairness, our government just recognized this, the government of China is committing a genocide against the Uyghur Muslims in, in, its, in, in its Western uh, provinces. Mm -hmm. They are literally putting millions of Muslims into concentration camps today as we live and breathe. I'm glad our government finally recognized this. I'm glad more people are focusing on this. I gotta tell you, when I see people on campus who claim to care about Muslim human rights, but all they can do is criticize this robust democracy of Israel, where, where in fact Muslims, I would argue, have greater civil rights and greater religious freedom than anywhere else in the Middle East. Exactly. But can't bring themselves to criticize this genocide against Muslims. Then you have to wonder what's going on here. And that's where it crosses a line in my mind to some sort of odd hatred or fixation with Jews, which goes by another name, anti-Semitism. Yeah, and in my experience, uh, which is limited personally um, in, in personal contact with BDS proponents, but what experience I do have tells me that often it it is anti-Semitism because their criticism of Israel is exclusionary. It's it has nothing to do with really with Arab rights or Muslim rights. Um, so that line may be there, but it seems to be crossed pretty regularly. Yeah. You know, the uh, Inter International Holocaust Association has its definition of anti-Semitism, and it's, uh, it's becoming an increasingly popular go-to. Um, and in this definition, it talks about standard uh, anti-Semitism, but it also talks about when hatred of Israel becomes anti-Semitic. And it really is when it crosses this line from a legitimate criticism to an obsession and a focus and a demonization of the Jewish state. Um, and, and comparisons of the Jewish state uh, to, to Nazis or, and, and this impossible double standard when applied to the Jewish state. And so it's becoming more widely recognized that, that yeah, Israel's a government, you can criticize like any other, um, but in our modern world, especially on our campuses, um, traditional anti-Semitism, criticizing someone just for being a Jew is less fashionable. Um, it's no longer the Jews as individuals that are, are the dominant uh, target of anti-Semitism in the West. It is the Jewish state, the Jew among the nations. Um, but the symptoms are the same. It's the singling out. It's this obsession. It's this focus. It's this impossible double standard applied to the Jewish state as opposed to individual Jews um, that is frankly prevalent. And it's hiding behind this political facade. But it's a facade that's easily exposed when we can actually teach people the facts about Israel and the reality about Israel, which ain't, it ain't perfect, but it's pretty good. Yes. Now, I want to get in just a moment, I want to get to the work that you and the Maccabee Task Force are doing to educate and to combat um, anti-Semitism and, and anti-Zionism on campus. But I want to first ask you, how typically do pro-Israel students respond to the BDS movement 
on American campuses without your aid? What is the what is the normal response to that? So the the students on our campuses, on the whole, there there are exceptions that maybe we'll have time to talk about. Um, sort of the, uh, the uh, Stockholm syndrome exception, where I think there, there's a certain percentage of Jewish students who want to, so want to please their critics, they, they become uh, critical of Israel themselves. Um, interesting psychological issues there. But the majority of, of, of uh, Jewish students and many Christian students on campus um, want to stand up and they want to push back. Um, and it takes a lot of guts and a lot of courage because they're going to get criticized and they're going to get accused of all, you know, what's the worst thing you can be today on college campuses, the accusation of racism. Well, if you want to support the Jewish state of Israel today, you might get that, that ugly word thrown at you. So it takes cuts, uh, guts and courage. Um, we have a lot of pro-Israel students who have the guts and the courage. What they lack are resources. Um, and so the typical budget to do pro-Israel work on the typical campus, with exceptions, you know, Harvard is able to raise good money for the Jewish community, maybe UCLA. Typical budget is around $5,000, $10,000 to do pro-Israel work. And it's hard to accomplish much with such a limited budget. So they try their best. They try to bring in a pro-Israel speaker. Um, they try to go out and make, build relationships with students who are active in student government. Um, but they typically are, are, are lacking in the ideas and resources to penetrate the campus as a whole and really become a factor in these campus political debates. And so what we saw is very often they were, they were failing to penetrate the campus. They were doing an event here, an event there. Uh, attendance was most, mostly among the converted, mostly those who were already pro-Israel, and they weren't able to reach the campus as a whole and shift the political, uh, the political conversation vis-a-vis -vis Israel. And that's where you come in today uh, with the Maccabee Task Force. Um, I know you do work to help those students combat that. Tell me a little bit about the founding of the Maccabee Task Force. Where did this idea come from? So the idea came from uh, two wonderful people here. Uh, we're both uh, speaking in Las Vegas now. Um, two wonderful people here in Las Vegas, Sheldon and Miriam Adelson. Uh, and it's been a sad time for all of us, the Maccabee yes. Task Force, because uh, we just lost Sheldon. Uh, and he was the driving force behind this, in, in both, both Miriam and Sheldon, in two ways. Um, there are primary, it was their idea. Um, there are, and to this day, they are by far our, our primary donors. Um, and so they've given us uh, the resources that this community so desperately needs. It's through their generosity that, that we're able to solve that resources problem. But it was more than money they gave us. They gave us this fighting spirit. Um, they came up with the name the Maccabees because they wanted to invoke these Jewish warriors uh, against overwhelming odds yeah. uh, so many centuries ago and, and bring that fighting spirit to our day-to-day -day activities. Um, and also they infused all of us with this fighting spirit. It was really something about Sheldon. He was, uh, uh, the more I got to know him, the more I realized um, what, what, a, what, a, what a loving human being he was. He, not, he loved nothing more than to help other people people to do something good for other people it gave him his joy in life but it was under the shell of a tough guy a tough businessman who, who it takes a tough businessman to build the business empire he built but he was also a tough guy when it came to being jewish and i saw a clip recently someone was circulating after he died and so i shared it with my wife we both sort of 
uh, got a little nostalgic watching it, but it was him basically saying, it was him summing up his view and basically saying, look, you can't run away from being Jewish. Someone at some point is going to point at you and say, there's a Jew. So if you can't run away from it, you might as well embrace it. You might as well be proud of it and never apologize for it. And that, that, that was just his approach. And I loved him for it. And he infused with it. And we're trying to bring that approach to Jews on campus. Don't apologize. Don't run away. Be proud. Stand tough. And push back. Fight back. I was in a meeting uh, with, uh, it was a small group meeting at the Venetian uh, a couple of years ago with, with Sheldon Adelson. And he shared with us his story of growing up in Boston. And uh, he grew up, it was a hard time to grow up um, for him. And especially as, as a Jew in Boston, he, he said he got beat up all the time by you know, these, these, these kids from other ethnic groups. And he said that that motivated him to want to help Israel and help the Jewish people and make sure there's a safe haven. Um, so the Maccabee Task Force, you're, you're equipping students to combat anti-Semitism. What does that look like on the college campus today? So like I, like I said earlier, um, and by the way, I think, it, I think one of the reasons why this is so personal to Sheldon uh, is because he grew up being attacked as a young person for being Jewish. And he was shocked, he was shocked that young Jews on college campuses today were starting to hide their, their Jewish stars mm. and didn't want to publicly identify as being Jewish or pro-Israel. He couldn't believe this was still happening. It offended him deeply. He wanted to do something about it. So like we said before, there, there is the old fashioned anti-Semitism on campus today. There are still swastikas being drawn on Hillel buildings or on Chabad buildings. There are still people who are engaging in those old anti-Semitic tropes. But that's the minority, and they don't enjoy this widespread and deeper political support. The overwhelming uh, anti-Semitism on campus today, the anti-Semitism that's threatening because it is accepted on campus, not only among students, but among faculty and, and to some extent administrators, is the anti-Semitism that hides behind this facade of just being anti-Israel. And so when we talk about anti-Semitism on campus, what we're really focusing on is this demonization of Israel, this delegitimization of Israel, and the demonization of anyone who dares to support Israel. Um, you know, and it reminds me of these old days during, during, during the civil rights movement in America in the 1960s. The segregationists didn't come out and say, we hate black. They, they often did, they'd say what they said was, we, we love blacks. We just don't like these blacks to assert mm. their, their civil rights, right. their right to vote, their right to political power. It reminds me of that today because what we're hearing from the anti-Semites on campus is, oh, we don't dislike Jews. We just dislike the Jews who are asserting their pesky right to self-determination. We don't like Jews who assert their human rights. And, and, and if you're willing to forego this right to self-determination and stop standing with Israel, we'll love you, we'll embrace you. Um, but if you're going to assert that right, you're, you're going to have to fight us. It's very similar. Unfortunately, a lot of people believe it. when someone who singles out, demonizes, delegitimizes the Jewish state among all the, the, the nations uh, on earth and has this focus and obsession and hatred for the Jewish state. And they say, oh, I don't dislike Jews. I just dislike Jews who assert the right to self-determination. Very often, that's not met with the contempt with which it must be met. The way the way the, the con we, we, we approach those who said, I don't dislike blacks. I just dislike blacks who assert their right to vote with contempt. Uh, the same contempt 
should should fall upon the heads of those who assert this. Oh, I don't I don't dislike Jews. I just hate Israel. It doesn't. And so this form of anti-Semitism uh, is 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 insidious, and it it has a presence on campuses, and that's what we need to fight today. And that's what we're empowering empowering students to fight. First of all, it's psychological. Stand up. Be proud. Don't fall for this. BS of, uh, oh, uh, we're just fighting Israel. It's deeper than that and more insidious than that. Be proud, stand up, fight back. And then the tools, the strategies and the resources there, we can help you uh, with much greater specificity. Sure. Well, David Brog, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. And uh, thank you for the work that you and the Maccabee Task Force do on college campuses across the country. It's an important work. And uh, I pray that the Lord will bless you and your efforts to uh, to combat this evil in our generation. Ty, thank you. It's uh, been a pleasure talking to you. David Brog is an impressive figure. And the work he and the Maccabee Task Force are doing on college campuses is equally impressive and vitally important. As Brog said, there is a distinction between anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism, but it's a line that is often crossed, and that is crossed, at least on many campuses, with impunity. Israel and the Jewish people, for many, are fair game for criticism and harassment. They're seen as the powerful and the oppressors in the eyes of extreme leftists. But as with any issue, we must take our cues not from public opinion, and certainly not from the secular university campus, but rather from the Word of God itself. The God of the Bible identifies himself clearly with the Jewish people, with the nation of Israel, in a way he does not with any other group. They are called the chosen people for a reason. They were chosen to make the name of the God of Israel famous throughout the world, so that the nations might come to him by faith. They were chosen to be caretakers of the Tanakh the Bible. They were chosen to be a light unto the nations and ultimately to be the people through whom the light of the world, the Mashiach, would come. So when a person seeks to demonize Israel, to single them out for ridicule and ultimately to call for their destruction, as many in the anti-Israel camp do today, the scripture makes it clear that they have really set themselves against Israel's God. Anti-Semitism is an age-old hatred one the scriptures tell us will last until the Messiah sets up his kingdom on earth. Until then, Christians, Jews, and others of goodwill must speak up against it. We must not be silenced by those who scream the loudest. I'm thankful for folks like David Brog and the Maccabee Task Force for equipping students with the tools they need to wisely and effectively counter the prevailing campus narrative about Israel and the Jewish people. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Gesher Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's program, be sure to subscribe to it on your favorite podcast platform so that you'll automatically receive future episodes. I'm your host, Ty Perry. For more information about me, visit ty-perry.com. For further information about the Friends of Israel, visit foi.org. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom. Shalom.